Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon on a, well, one of the few left football Fridays. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3. On the FM dial as those two frequencies head back to local programming for the next couple of hours. And Trent and I appreciate you spending some of your morning here with us. On the BMW of Des Moines guest list here today, uh, the bottom of the hour, we will start our NFL segment with Dave Sinekin, who covers the Packers. Uh, his blog is theheadcheese.com. He's been uh, talking Packers on the flagship of the Vikings in the Twin Cities, KFAN, our sister station. Uh, for 25 years, he's been doing Packer preview, again, on the home of the Vikings, which is pretty cool in its own right that they allow him to do that. And and uh, we will get Dave Sinekin in here at 1030 to preview the NFC Championship game. Mitch Holtis is the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. And he will be here about 1045 or thereabouts. Uh, we'll get the latest from Mitch Holtis. We'll ask him about the walking wounded particularly one, probably pay more attention to that uh, with Patrick Mahomes, uh, who seemingly is going to play. The line has not moved at all. And when we had Kenny White on, and I know Zubin Mahente they, at ESPN, they had a line maker on this morning. Kenny White said his power rankings that Patrick Mahomes is about an eight-point player. Uh, and the guy that uh, was on uh, ESPN this morning said uh, he's got him as a nine-point player. So I've never seen anything like it, and that's what he means to his team. The line hasn't moved. That tells me he's playing. Uh, so we'll get Mitch Holtis at 1045-ish, 11.05. Tom Kakert will join the fray. Uh, we'll recap last night what that loss meant to Indiana. It meant a lot to folks that uh, laid the 10. Uh, um, Yourself included. I didn't play because, you know, I don't play the locals. But yeah. I certainly liked Iowa laying the 10 points last night. I did. I thought that this was going to be just a, you know, nah, maybe not a walk in the park, but they'd find a way to cover. Uh, and then Dave Sproul. Look, Iowa State gets to play again by the sounds of things next week. They're back in Big 12 play after uh, the COVID shutdown uh, in Ames with the basketball program. Sounds like they will play on Monday. So we'll get the latest on Dave Sproul when he joins us about 11. 25 Claxons comes around. You know the rules. You only get to play once a month. If you haven't been able to get in for the Claxons giveaway yet, we'll have four newbies at. Uh, I mean, this year within the last uh, within the last 30 days, four newbies, relatively speaking, at about 11:45, and then our couple of picks before we slide on out of here at noon. So before we get to uh, before we get to the the Hawkeyes, uh, mm-hmm. Hank Aaron passed away this morning. To me, he's the uh, he's the home run king. Uh, I know Barry Bonds has the numbers. I know Mark McGuire certainly hit a bo- bunch of them. Uh, but Hank Aaron, just a remarkable, remarkable person. And as we're sitting here getting ready for the show, actually took two phone calls saying, from guy my age, probably mm-hmm. a little bit older, just um, you know reminding me to pass on just what a remarkable guy he was. So some guy said he lived in Atlanta. And is uh, when during the CB radio. Were you alive for the CB radio craze? Remember, my dad was a truck driver. Oh, then you know. Every time I was in the truck, who was screwing around <laughs> on the CB radio? Well, this Hank, guy Aaron, right here. Hank Aaron brought his vehicle in to get a CB radio, and uh, he was in the shop for a while back in the uh, in his Atlanta days. Hank Aaron's Atlanta days, uh, and just said what a remarkable guy he was. Just. Yeah. 
I mean, the home run king sitting in your business, right? Well, he, you install a CB uh, in his vehicle. His two kids were with him. Anyways, uh, just a remarkable, remarkable uh, career as we know his story. I tweeted out my favorite picture of Hank Aaron is at a train station leaving his home. Um, a dusty, it's a black and white, a dusty old train station, 1952, when he's getting ready to go to the to the Negro Leagues. Okay. Um, just him. Nobody at the train station, black and white, with one suitcase, um, just waiting for the train that would take him to infamy, quite honestly. Make him famous. Make him what we saw Hank Aaron become. And the the home runs and Vince Scully and uh, uh, Jack Buck. And just amazing. Just an amazing, amazing career. Amazing performance. And a real ambassador. As boy, oh boy, it certainly seems that this last... I don't know, 2020 and 2021 have there I mean Don Sutton last week. We heard, I don't even know if he brought Don Sutton up in the program. A lot of people remember him as the broadcaster, not the player, but boy, oh boy, he was as good as it comes. Uh, baseball wise, he made a lot of starts, a lot, a lot, a lot of starts. So let's get into what we saw last night. Um, I don't think it was a bad loss, Trent. I know that, you know, for some, maybe the sky is falling. I don't see it that way. I think it's a wake up call and, you know, I, I know that Luca Garza went a little Tim Tebow after the game, but mm-hmm. that's what you want your leader to do. Oh, there's no doubt. That was, I think, maybe one of my biggest takeaways is his comments. And it was. You're exactly right. I had the same thought as you. This was Tim Tebow after they lost to Ole Miss. Is that what they lost to in that game? Yes, I believe it was Ole Miss. And, and he's got a plaque yes. of the speech and or of the talk. Maybe Garza will one day at Carver. Right. If, <laughs> if they season. go out there and win right. their first regular season title in 42 years. Yeah. Indiana. They're not a great team, but it's not awful. No. Trace Jackson Davis. He's a star, Trent. I think he's the second best player in the conference. And I think maybe the best NBA prospect in the conference. Yeah. I think that's a guy. Wagner and him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Good call there on Wagner. He's going to stick around for a long time in the league. Yep. And he's got to, yes, he has to develop an outside shot. That's going to be part of it. that little spin move that he did to Garza in the lower, on the block. Luca's not doing that move. Not that quick. No. Not that quick. They made it incredibly difficult difficult for Garza. Yeah. They got it out of his hands. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw uh, Garza only had one shot as they went 11 straight minutes without a field goal. Mm-hmm. You know why? Well, Frederick wasn't there to... to, to that was a part uh, of it. ...make a difference. And, and yeah, they collapsed on Garza. He had four turnovers in the second half. Uh-huh. It wasn't where they just were ignoring getting him the ball. But when you have Connor out there, we know his limitations, though mm-hmm. he was one of the few guys that hit a three. Yep. His limitations offensively as a scorer, you take Frederick off the floor. I was disappointed, as bad as J-Bo was last night. Mm-hmm. Didn't hit shots. Right. And when he's not hitting shots, frankly, yep. not a real good player. Because he's right. minus defensively, mm-hmm. he can distribute the ball, but you need him to make shots. Yep. It's never going to happen again, Trent. It's never going to happen again. That he's going to go over right. nine, nine right. Yeah. and over eight from three. Uh-huh. But people clamoring, bench Jabo for two. Uh, uh, no, not with Frederick not available. No, no, you have to play him, Trent. You have to play him. Play Toussaint, though, with him. Okay. Put those two guys together and okay. have Bohannon at the two. Again, defensively, you already have those limitations when he's out there. But do that. That's the button that I was surprised they didn't go with. it. And there's still those long stretches. Murray got foul trouble early in the second half. He was the only guy that was scoring early in that second half, too, as I was keeping him at bay. His athleticism was on yeah. display last night, wasn't it? Getting to the rim, oh. defensive ability, and that some That baseline, when he ran down the baseline in the reverse layup or the dunk, I think he laid it in. Just amazing. 
I mean, he's, he's he's way more athletic. We're seeing we see different, at least I do, different pieces of his game seemingly mm-hmm. every time we tune in to watch Iowa basketball. They got something there. Had to go away from him because of mm-hmm. foul trouble. Yep, and playing Garza and Nunchi together, I, I think Fran falls in love with that too much. Mm-hmm. He needs to be the cleaner role. He is the backup to Garza, and outside of a two minute stretch, maybe a half, he can't go with those two guys together. If Nunchi was hitting his shots right now, which Looks like he can. He just isn't. Mm-hmm. You can get away, but he's not. And when he's not, it clogs up the middle too much. He gets in there. He's trying to post up. Garza's in there. That's the lineup combination that just doesn't work. And they went too long. Too long. And then we saw what happened. And they could never get going again as that stretch continued. Indiana ties it up, five point lead, just like that. And yeah. for all intents and purposes, it was over. No, it really was. Uh, the the um who did the play by play? Bahar, whatever his name was, with a color guy. I don't. Oh, is Adam Admin? Yeah. Uh, he he, says, what, he had a comment late in the basketball game. I'm paraphrasing. Indiana's getting high percentage shots from point blank range. That's not a good combination. Yes. High percentage shot and getting that shot from essentially underneath the basket. That's uh, not a product. Probably you're going to uh, be, uh, enjoy what you watch the next day defensively. Finnessy was as good as he's been. Defensively he was really good. Yep. He shut down Bohan. He and, made it difficult. and Thompson too defensively. Yes. He was in there very physical. Mm-hmm. We mentioned Jackson Davis and what they can throw. Indiana played their best game of the year. Without a doubt. Now, they didn't shoot free throws real well, but outside of that, they played their best game of the year. This mm-hmm. was the second-worst three-point shooting team in the league. Well, man, they, got, they shot a bunch of free throws, too. 8-17 to 17 from three in this one. Mm. They shot it well. They got to the rim, and even in foul trouble, that was a part that I understand the frustration. You want to get it to Garza more? Garza was turning it over. Mm-hmm. He wasn't playing well because they were doubling him every single time and sometimes tripling. You don't have guys that can make shots. Nope. I think a little bit of, well, it's just C.J. Frederick. If he's out there, they're fine. I'm not so they're sure. They're different, for sure. Frederick has not played good basketball in a while. Uh, since uh, right around Christmas, Trent. Mm-hmm. The game uh, the game in Minnesota, and then there was it Northwestern, the next one, whatever it was, around that uh, early, late December, early January, he was playing his best basketball. Remember the message boards you heard, and Twitter lit up that, uh, that uh, he's the second best player on the team. and He's a great player, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wieskamp uh, disappeared in the second half. Kind of standard. He, yeah, I mean, he was terrific in the first 20 minutes, uh, but the second half, he just uh, he was non-existent out there. What do you do for that guy? We know Joe Wieskamp is incredibly talented. Talent-wise, he is really talented. He shot the ball in the first half of the game last night as well as he has all year. Confidence. Maybe. But when it goes away, and when when things get tough, when things get physical, he is a player that seemingly always, Mm -hmm. much much like Jared Utoff, when things got physical, I'll just hang out here in the corner. Mm Mm-hmm. Offensively, no. he is too talented for that. Yep. And in a game like that, when shots aren't falling, there is two guys I'm confident with on this team that can take the ball off the dribble and finish. He's one. He's of them. one of them for sure. Yeah. Yep. And Keegan Murray's the other. Yeah. Those are the only two guys that consistently can take guys off the dribble, mm-hmm. get to the rim, and then finish. But when he's wilting and when he's going to the corner and he's just floating out there, this is what happens. And yeah, these are he the needs same to be things. Aggressive, Trent. Yeah, we talked about last year with him. Yep. He's too talented to have these type of performances. And with one of your running mates, one of your starters is out, yep. you need Wieskamp. Where was he? Yeah, well, he, was, he, was, he showed up in the first 20, but not in the second mm-hmm. 20. No, gave Indiana some big minutes last night, that Geronimo kid off the bench. He <laughs> really did. He, 
undersized four kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. He, he had an impact in the basketball game. All right, so we'll get more back uh, to Iowa coming up here with uh, our friend Tom Caker from HawkeyeReport.com. I want to do something on these, I mean, these... These championship games, mm-hmm. my gosh, they've got a chance. I hope they live up to it. Jeff, uh, thanks for being patient. Uh, what's on your mind? Hey, guys, uh, real quick, that Tiger documentary, I wish we had like five minutes to talk you about You know what? But... Let's do it because I watched it and I enjoyed uh-huh. that. You know who had the best line in the whole thing? I'm so glad. I've been waiting to talk about this all freaking week. Armin Katayan, late in the second episode, when he would, when Tiger was tied in the Masters, and he's talking about yes. all the young kids, yeah, that only saw clips of, and I can't say the word, t- t- yes. uh, YouTube's of Tiger Woods uh, in his prime, and how they longed for an opportunity to play with him in the final pairing of a major championship, and the camera cuts back to Armin Katayan, <laughs> and you, you know, you know the line I'm, I'm referring to, and if anybody saw the piece, they do too. It was the best you line I've seen in a long you, time. You, or heard. you effing don't want to. Yeah. What he said. The bleep you do. <laughs> right. You, the, we want a piece of Tiger in, his, in the final group in a major. They came back to him. The bleep you do. What a great yep. line. Anyways, go ahead. What did you think so, of it? So my greatest thing was, like, you know, think if, think if you take your boys to Vegas, you go to a club, you're hanging out, you know, and maybe you walk into the bathroom, you're walking by some pretty girls, you're walking by some guys, and they're in the corner by himself drinking is Tiger Woods. Yeah. I mean, how bizarre is that? Right. You know, he's just, he's just there by himself mm-hmm. kind of just floating around. And, you know, and Michael Jordan and, Jeter. and Barkley was there. And I thought there, it was uh, Jeter. No, it was Jordan Barkley. Oh, okay. It was Jordan Barkley. All and, right. You know, one of the famous, you know, things that stood out to me was, you know, Tiger's kind of aloof. Yeah. And Jordan's like, you're Tiger effing words. Yeah, he asked like, him, well, how do you talk to, to, how do you talk to, how do you talk to women? And they looked at each other and they laughed and said, you, you tell him you're Tiger Woods. You tell him you're Tiger Woods. <laughs> right. <laughs> Introduce and, yourself as Tiger Woods. You know, if there's any young listeners who are golf fans, then maybe you don't know that much about Tiger Woods, kind of like a Jordan effect. Go just type Tiger Woods 2000, 2001. That's all you need to see. The yeah. guy didn't miss a 10-foot put for like five years. Yeah, it's phenomenal. So um, it was a great doc. I, I just wanted to throw that out there. But Glad I you did. Iowa. I want to talk about Iowa basketball real fast. Um, a couple of big things that stood out to me. You know, when you shoot five from 25 from three, yes, guards are making some turnovers. But when they kick it out, when guards get double, triple team, we got to go to the rack, though. We can't just settle you know, and hide in the corner like you guys have talked about. we got to go hard into the paint and then look out for kickouts. We can't just settle for threes because here's the deal. And I'm kind of you know, bouncing around because I don't have much time, but, you know, the conference, winning the conference, I think that's done. Okay, you lose to Indiana home, double-digit favorite. You lose to Minnesota, which it doesn't look like a bad loss now, but at the time it was. Mm-hmm. Um, the conference, in my eyes, which is fine. I, I don't want you guys thinking I'm jumping off the rooftops here, but the conference, I think, is done. And let's just go into the tournament, win a couple games, see what happens. But you kind of see when stuff starts to break down, well, you shoot bad from three-point line. Indiana shoots 50%. I think they were like 17 for 34 from the line, and they win by double digits on the road, which there was no fans. But, you know, there's just small little details where, you know, in the tournament, you're not going to shoot the ball that great sometimes. Or someone's going to get into foul trouble. Or, you know, you're not getting to the rack. Those kind of things scare me. Now, again, we're in January. This game doesn't mean really nothing. But it's just, you know, I hear Trent talking about, you know, they don't want to recover from blah, blah, blah years. But then they lose games like this. 
Yeah, see, I don't think it's over either. Jeff, I got to let you go. I appreciate the call. Uh, I really do. I I don't think the conference... The quest for the conference crown's over, Trent. I they have two losses. It. Michigan right. has one. And they, they've got Michigan coming up. They've got Wisconsin twice coming up. They've got Illinois. Now, that's a big game a week from tonight. Um, Whoever wins Ohio this conference. Ohio State a couple of times. Let's say everybody gets 20, which might be a stretch. But let's just say, is 15-5, and five, is anybody even going to get to there? Because I don't think so. I look at Michigan's uh, schedule. What's they have Michigan one got left? Let me let me take a look at Michigan's schedule. Well, they're they got next Purdue game is tonight. tonight. Yeah. yeah, and it's, it's on the road. I'm not sure. I think uh, it's early. I do believe it's early. But Purdue's playing well. It's six o'clock. Yeah. So here's what they've got: uh, Michigan at Purdue, home to Indiana, at Northwestern, home to Michigan State, Illinois, at Wisconsin, Rutgers, at Ohio State, uh, at Indiana, Iowa. And Michigan State, then they're not going to sweep that. No. They're not getting through that unscathed. There's two or three losses there. there at least I think that if you get to 15 and five, I think you still win this thing outright. Outright, yeah. So you, so Michigan would have to lose four more games to win it. Four outright. more games. Purdue split with Michigan State. Hawks have to beat them. Mm-hmm. Um, Ohio State might. Uh, Wisconsin. That yeah, that game's in Madison. Right. Two with Illinois, two with Illinois, or one, one with Illinois left. Yeah, I mean sixteen and four, fifteen and five. I could buy that. I can buy that. And Iowa can get there. Now the schedule is much more difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, I was much more frustrated after the Minnesota loss because they melted down the last minute. Yeah, they they right. had that one. Right. This was a poor performance. This is a bad game. And I, maybe it's easier to flush those kind of games, at least for me. Sure, but for even tr- at home, but for twenty. I don't know how long, 25, 30 minutes. I thought, you know what? I was going to cruise. They might not cover that, but they're going to win. And then boom. And just shut off. What was it, an 18-2 run, something like that? But here's the problem for Iowa. Now the schedule, now it gets difficult. All right. And Lay it on me. Do you have the two it? games that you felt like probably you'd have at hand at this point, Michigan State and Nebraska. Right. Oh, sure. Now, when are those games going to be played? Yeah. Are those games going to be played? Two ones that at the time looked like they were going to go in the win column, those are taken away. Now mm-hmm. you still have the game against Illinois next Friday. You have Ohio State twice. You still have Rutgers coming in. Indiana again. This time you got to play them over there. I look forward to watching that. Wisconsin twice. Michigan. Ohio State twice. The schedule is much more difficult here on the back half. Mm-hmm. And the two wins you thought you were going to have, now they're going to be thrown in there at some point. Look, it's not going to be easy. To no. Jeff's point, I, it's not going to be... You know, it's certainly no guarantee what the with what that schedule's like. But I, look, Michigan's not going to get through this with one loss. They will lose three or four games in the conference. I think it's five. You know, I, look, I hope it's five because I can see Iowa struggling a little bit because mm-hmm. they got. I mean, that's two losses, three losses, three more for Iowa. I don't think they're going to lose three more games. Oh, you don't with that schedule. I'm not sold on Wisconsin. I, it depends what night I watch Wisconsin. I, all right, let me let me look at it. I'm going to have it in front of me. Next week is huge, obviously. Yes, yeah. The Illinois game is. I think we, if if it doesn't go their way in Champaign, then we reconvene on Monday morning, Super Bowl week, and we're talking about it slipped away. I think that game is that big. Ohio State. At Indiana, we had Kenny White early on uh, on the show this week. He's talking about revenge to us, mm-hmm. and revenge is uh, if you if you play games, if you bet sports, revenge matters more to when the team's going on the road after getting beat at home. I, they'll beat Indiana there. Okay. Uh, Sparty's not that good. Uh, who do they got? Well, the Rutgers is awful. Right, and the and the game is a Carver, right? It yes, is. it's a Carver. Uh, at Wisconsin, okay, a little difficult. I'll give you that. 
let's that's a loss. Okay. All right, that's one loss. Penn State win. Um to Columbus, Ohio State win. You can't lose to Michigan. You can't lose to Michigan. You have to beat Michigan in your only and that game is an, in Ann Arbor. And then you flip in the Michigan State Nebraska game. So you still have this team 17 and 3, 16 and 4, 16 and 4. I'm more Give him another loss. I'm at 14 and 6. I think the schedule is going to show up. Why in don't a big we split way. the difference and there's your 15 and 5? All right. <laughs> a tie for the regular season <laughs> tie crown. For the regular season crown. Sign up for that. I, again, I, this was I, I. It was shocking to watch the game slip away and then get away and then get the further away. The fashion that it, it happened. Just, yeah. yeah. It wasn't where a team just was completely lights out shooting. All right. You shock it it's up. It's going to happen. That. Right. Bohannon's not going to go over nine again. The ineptitude offensively, that is something that doesn't happen to this team. Mm-hmm. Because we've talked about when a guy goes bad, you got somebody else mm-hmm. showed up. Nobody showed up What's in the back Frederick's, half of the second uh, They're calling it lower body, uh-huh. taking a page out of the NHL. Right. Um, what does that mean? He had ice on the shin. And he was he was questionable going into last he night. He was. So remember a year ago, he had all the foot issues. Okay, it, yep, I do. And it sounds like this might be something, shin splints, something like that, that okay. can be incredibly painful. And really all you can do for it, the treatment, is rest. Well, they got a week. Yeah, you got nine days, eight days in between games. That's a good thing for that. But because he has been a guy that has had so many injuries, do you shut him down a little longer? Because mm. if it is shin splints, again, rest is the best thing. Where you say, let's take two weeks. Let's take two weeks. I know the Illinois game is big, but ultimately... It's about March. So if he doesn't play against Illinois, he, they, they shouldn't need him against Rutgers at Carver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get him back for Michigan State in, in East Lansing? Something like that. Yeah. Back-to-back roadies at Michigan State, at Wisconsin. Five nights apart. Home to Penn State. At Bucks. Give him the real time that he needs to get right. Yeah. Well, um, we'll see. We'll see how this, what, what this loss does to him. Again, uh, one week from tonight. As they go to Champaign, that's a game that everybody had circled when the schedule came out based on the unbelievable pair of games we saw last year. Time for another $1,000 slam dunk. Text the keyword SMILE to 200-200. Right now, it's your chance at $1,000. SMILE to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, let's get into the NFL for the next half hour of the program, shall we? We will start with the NFC Championship game. I like the dog. I, am, I'm, I, I hope Green Bay gets there. I think Tampa's defense, Trent, I can't, I can't get past the way they're playing. They're playing so well. Well, we will have our picks later. I think we have Not some tips in your hand. All right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Tampa Bay, and then we'll get to uh, Mitch Holtis, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, Papa John's here in central Iowa. Sponsors our friend Mitch Holtis. Millery Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106. Welcome back. Des Moines Sports Stations, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 on the FM dial. Mitch Holt is coming up in about, oh, 15 minutes or thereabouts. The voice of the Kansas City Chiefs as we will take a good long look at the AFC Championship game. To Prior to that, right now and prior to that on Sunday, the NFC Championship game, which we will get into in a moment, but he's an Indiana grad. We've got to uh, pick his brain on what uh, that is. Boy, you're t- the Hoosiers came to life last night, Dave Sinekin. 
Best game they've played all year, in my opinion. Were you able to watch it? And if you were, and if you did, you had to feel pretty good about your squad last night. Yeah, I watch every second of every Indiana game. I pretty much had made plans at halftime to switch to something else. <laughs> I expected the worst, especially their their previous game against Purdue at home. Their arch rival, they looked just anemic in that game and had been off about a week. But, boy, they uh, they locked down defensively, Oof. and I've never seen a team go as ice cold as that sharpshooting Iowa Hawkeye team went. 30 minutes without making a three. Mm. Uh, they didn't make a basket for about 17 minutes there in the second half. It was Crazy, and uh, even though Indiana missed most of free throws, they were able to win that game. Uh, before we get into the game, one more. Of course, the um, uh, sudden passing, seemingly Ted Thompson, uh, way, way, way too young, 68 years of age. What a legacy he will leave. I believe I heard Aaron Rodgers say that uh, that he was Ted Thompson's first draft pick, which is really something, uh, a legend with, with the Packers and gone way too soon, Dave. For sure, and what a way to try to ingratiate your way into Packer fans is by drafting Brett Favre's replacement with your very first pick as a mm-hmm. GM. That took a lot of a lot of stones, and it kind of showed the kind of man he was that he didn't care what anybody else thought. Uh, his imprints are all over this Packer team, especially on offense. Uh, David Bakhtiari obviously won't play, but he was a fourth round pick. Corey Lindsley, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Devontae Adams—those were all Ted Thompson picks. You know, he had some misses. But uh, he always did really well, second round on in particular, found undrafted guys like Tremont Williams, who's going to suit up for the pack mm-hmm. this weekend, and, and other really fine undrafted players. Uh, he was a terrific general manager who, you know, toward the end of his career, you know, had some misses. His 2015 draft was a disaster, uh, and, and younger Packer fans probably don't give him the credit. But there's a lot of guys in that locker room that are going to be playing with heavy hearts and, and certainly are going to want to try to play their best for Ted Thompson on Sunday. To what we're going to see on Sunday, and I want to start my concern going in, though they were the only team, of course, in the NFC with the bye, was David Bakhtiari. That injury I thought was going to be significant. Billy Turner, though, he's been outstanding. Tell us a little more about the Minnesota guy, a Minnesotan like you are now, and North Dakota State grad that started off his career in a very, very rough note and has turned himself into a really nice player. Yeah, he really has. He was the free agent a year ago that kind of got lost with the signings of Preston Smith, the Darius Smith, and Adrian Amos. He was the other guy who most believed at the time the Packers really overpaid for, having not really started a whole lot in his time with Denver and Miami. Yep. What was he? Was he a guard? Was he a tackle? Um, but uh, Gutekun signed him, and last year, by all accounts, was not a great season for him. Um, he just didn't really hadn't really figured out the scheme and was kind of the weak link. Not terrible. But on a very good offensive line, he was kind of the weak link. And, man, uh, he has been a revelation this year. Uh, at first, stepping into right tackle, which was a real question mark with Brian Bulaga's departure, uh, moving over to right guard uh, when needed. And now with Bakhtiari's injury, stepping over to left tackle. It's just amazing the versatility these Packer linemen have shown this year. Elton Jenkins has played, I think, four of the five positions, and Turner's played three. And this offensive line is the number one line in the NFL and pass block win win rate and run block win rate. It's just a testament, I think, to the coaching, but also to a, a young man in Turner who has taken advantage of this opportunity, gotten better in year two, and when called on uh, to move around, uh, hasn't allowed this line to miss a beat. 
Uh, Dave Sinekin, and you can read his blog, theheadcheese.com. His prediction is part of it. It's a, it's a good read. Uh, it's uh, up at theheadcheese.com. Uh, Devin White's playing out of his mind. This is a real good defense overall, I think. Winfield, who you saw at Minnesota, we saw him playing in the Big Ten. Of course, his daddy with the Vikings, chip off the old black, uh, old block. Uh, Murphy Bunting has had, a, had an impact when he's on the field. Shaq Barrett is a, Shaq, a, a sack machine. Levante David from Nebraska. This is a great defense. Defense that's coming to Lambeau Field on sun on Sunday, Dave. Yeah, you didn't mention Jason Pierre. There's another one. <laughs> nose tackle of Vita Via, who's missed almost the whole year, who's back in uniform and practicing. Don't know. I didn't know play, that. Yeah, he may give wow. them another big guy in the middle of that defensive line, which I think is a is something I'm watching closely because when Green Bay tried to run the ball in Week Six against this defense, they tried to go wide and, and, and use their speed along the sidelines, but those linebackers are too fast. That's just not the way. You can beat this defense with the run. You have to beat them up the middle. And if they've got uh, Vita Vea back, that, that's a big body that Green Bay is going to have to deal with. But you're right. There are stars and, and playmakers at all three levels of this defense. Uh, they're very good. They're young. I think uh, uh, Devin White looks like you know he's going to be a superstar in this mm-hmm. league. He's the number five pick a year ago out of LSU. And I've been thinking a lot about him because of the way he wrecked the Saints uh, last weekend. But one thing they haven't done really well of late is uh, stop teams on third down and stop teams in the red zone. They've really been uh, subpar the last five or six weeks in both of those categories. They're the worst third down conversion D, uh, conversion D left of the playoffs, and uh, they're allowing more than two-thirds of teams to score touchdowns in the red zone, which is Green Bay's strength, and they've been very good on third down. So uh, I think that's where you'll want to see how this game turns, is how is uh, Rodgers and the offense handling third downs? How's that defense doing? And once Green Bay gets into the red zone, can Tampa Bay hold Rodgers to field goals because few teams have been able to do that of late. Ken uh, talked about the talent of that Bucks defense, and there's plenty of that. They also like to jaw, especially that defensive backfield. There's a lot of talking on that Tampa side. Now, last week it could have something to do, divisional opponent, that kind of thing, but talking against Aaron Rodgers doesn't seem like it's the best uh, recipe for <laughs> success. You think this team's going to shut up a little bit, or are they going to be woofing over at Rodgers too? I think they take on the personality of their head coach, and I think that's, yeah. that's kind of Arian style. Oddly, it's not their defensive coach's style. Todd Bold is more of a kill-you-with-silence kind of guy, from my understanding. Um, but, yeah, I do think that's what they like to do. I think, yeah, you're right. They jawed a lot with the Saints because they knew that they had gotten pounded by the Saints twice in the regular season. They were getting a little revenge, and, and that felt good. But, you know, Jalen Ramsey was chirping a lot at Devontae Adams pregame last week, and that didn't work out so well. <laughs> not that... Ramsey got torched, but he gave up 54 yards mm-hmm. of, of uh, pass-receiving yards. And the other cornerback that nobody talked about last week, Jair Alexander, but he gave up minus three yards of Star. coverage last year, mm-hmm. last week. And um, and I expect Mike Evans to be sent to Jair Island on Sunday, and uh, we'll see which other playmakers can step up for Tampa Bay. Uh, one of the uh, your big takeaways from uh, the, your blog at theheadcheese.com is the legacy, and, and it really is. Um, you know, it's quarterbacks that win one Super Bowl, well, certainly no, a massive, massive achievement. But what separates a lot of them, Dave, is going from one to two, and it's so difficult to do. And that would put Rodgers on this level if they get there this week and, of course, have an opportunity uh, in two weeks. Is this a legacy game for Aaron Rodgers in your mind? I think it is. I, I really do. I think that um, quarterbacks are judged by Super Bowls, and not all. I mean, Dan Marino's always going to be considered an all-time great, mm-hmm. uh, even though he never won one. But 
if you want to be talked to in the conversation of the Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks, you know, you need to have a couple Super Bowls in your resume. I think the fact that Peyton Manning was able to close with his second one made a huge difference to his legacy. And it's not that this is Roger's last chance. I mean, he's 37. He might have five more years of football if he wants, but there's no guarantee. This team's going to be uh, back at this place a year from now, two years from now, whether he'll be in Green Bay. I mean, all that's up in the air right now. This is his moment, his chance. And, you know, we talked about it last year after the blowout in San Francisco, uh, the third straight loss in a title game, but all those games had been on the road. And he said, you know, it'd be nice to get one of these at home. And so now he's got one at home and he's going up against the greatest of all time who is looking to take his new team mm-hmm. to a Super Bowl in their home stadium and show him the Super Bowl without Bill Belichick. I just don't know how you can get any bigger when it comes to quarterbacks with Brady Rogers and for Rogers to really stamp another big notch in his legacy to take down Tom Brady to get to his second Super Bowl. That goes a long way uh, as far as how Rodgers will be seen historically 20, 30, 40 years from now. So already looking forward at this team, not knowing what it's going to do, how close they're going to be, or ultimately breaking through, what does the future look like? With Aaron Rodgers playing at such a high level, but age always in the back, I think, of most people's mind, is it still set up very well? Is there salary cap hell around the corner, anything like that? Or have you even allowed yourself to look forward? No, I, I think you always sort of look forward because you wonder, all right, what will this team be back next year in, in composition? How different is it going to look? And I, I think there's a chance it could look fairly different. They're not in salary cap hell, but they're already facing the likelihood they're not going to have David Bakhtiari next season, if, you know, at least for the first few months of the season. So you're already losing one of your all-pro players. Um, they have two other pro bowlers in Aaron Jones and Corey Lindsley who are free agents, and they don't have a whole lot of cap money um, for either. And so I, there's a very good chance neither are, are back next year. Kevin King, the starting corner, is another free agent they have to decide what to do with. He, he's an above-average corner, but he's had a hard time staying on the field over the years. He's always injured, but there's not much behind him at that position, even though they've invested a lot of draft capital at the cornerback position. So there's a, a number of key players that may not be back. You know, every team looks a whole lot different year to year. And then you look at the NFC and – and the teams that, you know, could take a big leap next year. You just you look at the schedule next year. Green Bay's got to play the uh, AFC North and the NFC West. That's what the NFC North mm-hmm. plays next season. Those are tough games. You look at Green Bay's road schedule, it's daunting. So 13 wins seems unlikely. This is their chance. They're home. It's, it, it's a big, big day on Sunday for this organization. Now, they're set up to succeed, and if Rodgers uh, can be close to this level next season, they're going to be in the – in the hunt for sure, but they're going to be missing some pieces. It's hard to keep teams intact, and they've got some uh, pretty attractive free agents. So this is a, a real opportunity, and that's why I think Packer fans are kind of holding their breath because they know this is maybe the one big chance we have to get Rodgers number two. Mm. Yeah, just uh, with that Tampa defense, it just seems to me, and you you put it in your blog, uh, not a lot of margin for error. Valdez Scandling, seemingly every game, he makes some nice, makes some good plays, but he's, there's always that drop, and we saw Lazard with that drop made up for it later on in the game by taking that one to the house. But you got to catch those balls this week, as this Tampa defense and Tom Brady on the other side of the field waiting for his opportunity to lead that offense. Going to be a hell of a game, Dave Sinekin. We will uh, hopefully your schedule will allow you to recap it with us on Monday. Dave, thank you for what you do for us. We'll uh, hopefully grab you next Monday and enjoy the football game. Thank you, Dave. Happy to do it, guys. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you do the same. Good to talk to you. Dave Sinekin, thehead.cheese.com. Packer preview on 
Sunday morning, 7 a.m., 8 a.m.? Early. Sunday morning. Sunday morning. And of course, check you your local listings. On KFAN.com. And if you're not up, you can grab the podcast. It's available anywhere. Packer preview with Dave Sinekin on KFAN. Mitch Holtis with Miller and Condon on KXNO. He's next as we take you until noon on 1460 KXNO and 106. They snap it. They're going for it. They flood it right. Caught Tyreek Hill. Stays in bounds. The same play that they closed the game at against New Orleans. They do it to Cleveland. What a play. What a pair. <laughs> Unbelievable in a spot like that. Let's get to the guy that you just heard. He's Mitch Holtis. He's the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. It's the Chiefs. It's the Bills. And away we go for the third straight year FC championship game. You think back, what if D4 didn't go offside? Where would oh, we be? Oh, wow. <laughs> How about that, Mitch Holtis? The wounds early, no, huh? that's wow. not salt. That's just... That's, well, How are you? I did. In your Canadian brilliance, I know you weren't re- referencing a pair of eyes or ears. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I, I didn't think so. And, and yes, it took the whatever fill in the blank uh-huh. uh, to call that or run that play. People have asked me probably three dozen times on shows like this, like, did you think they were going to run it? Did you? Th-? If you listen to my play-by-play call, it's about 30%. I've been around Andy Reid for eight years. I wouldn't put this past him, but 70% I'm thinking – Nah, they're going to run down the clock because I'm even giving the mathematics in my head. I'm trying to talk and and think at the same time, which is hard to do, right. uh, and subtract. So I'm going to skip. They can get it down to about a minute, 12. They're going to snap it, and they flood that. It was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, terrific play. They had actually ran up something similar. Here's the brilliance of Andy Reid. Earlier in the quarter, except Tyree Kill was the one. He was the one outside receiver. This time he was the three. They lined him up inside, and they changed their running back uh, positioning off the uh, – initially five wide option to put the RB on the right side of the quarterback. They put Byron Pringle in to max protect the backside. It was, it was brilliant. It was awesome. So much fun. And, uh, what makes football great, the things that you don't anticipate you're going to see right? and when they come to fruition. Mm, well, the one question throughout Kansas City and across, well, the football community this week is Patrick Mahomes. Don't know exactly what you can tell us, what you know at this point, where are we at with Mahomes, who, at least from what we see, looks like he's going to play Sunday? The, uh, let me give you an analogy first. Then we can get into the concussion protocol and why it's good, even though it's been you know, frustrating this week for fans. I actually was with the Papa John's of Iowa managers in the Donaldson's. Is it sacked? What do we call in the stadium now where the I-Cubs play? Principal Park. Principal Park. All right. Yep. So I'm at Principal Park. Watch Ian App was playing that oh. night for the I-Cubs. And it might have been Ian Happ leading off second, but it's a ground ball in the left field for a base hit. And that runner between second and third is kind of looking back at the left fielder, and then he's looking at the third base coach. That's where Patrick Mahomes is right now. Mm. Ken, I actually told Trent to keep the, uh, the finger on the refresh button. I, I think this discussion and a decision could be coming down imminent. Um, so keep your ear to the ground, so to speak. But the concussion protocol, there's no shortcuts, you guys. Mm-mm. I'm glad the NFL put it in place in 2018. Truthfully, in the old days, they probably would have put Patrick Mahomes back in that game. Mm-hmm. An independent neurologist had said, no go. There's enough here. Now, now, it's erroneous to say he had a concussion. CBS television said he has a concussion. That was wrong. He was put into the concussion protocol. And the protocol 
is such where you have to go through steps. And when you enter the protocol, there's five, some would say laborious. I think it's just very detailed, and you can't skip it. It basically, at the least, is a five-day process, and sometimes six days. And so it's great because it protects a game that I love, but there is no speeding this up. You're not going to know Monday at 6, Tuesday at 7, Wednesday at 4. It's got to go through every step, and it's very detailed, and it does take an independent neurologist, INC they call it, mm-hmm. to check off. This won't be super fan from Des Moines saying, yep, he can go. <laughs> right. I watched him run down the stairs. He's good. Get him back <laughs> out there. Um, yeah, I'm glad that the league has done that, Mitch, no doubt about it. And you have to check all those boxes, as you said, the five steps you get to uh, before you do get the clearance. Well, let's go to the one game that they played. It was early. I get it. It, it really is not going to have any effect on Sunday. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire ran the ball exceptionally well in that game, and he's another one of these guys I guess we should keep hitting refresh. What can you tell us about Edwards-Hilaire, who had a heyday when he saw that Bills defense uh, earlier this year? Well, if Mahomes is looking at the third-base coach thinking, is he waving me home on his base at the left, uh, I would say Edward Tillaire is tagging up at third and headed home on a sack fly to deep center. Gotcha. Let's just stay with our eye club, and, uh, eye club analogies here. Uh, yes, he was a huge factor in that first game in October. But honestly, Ken, I don't think there's much in that game that gives us much of a template for this game. Uh, these two teams have really changed a lot, I think, uh, since then in their approach. Uh, I don't think the Chiefs will run it 46 times. The one thing that could be similar is the weather. Uh, that game, remember there's a goofy Monday afternoon, 4 o'clock start. It was a reschedule of a reschedule because of COVID that involved, I think, the Patriots uh, that had got all the way down to the Bills-Chiefs game. But, but still, uh, it was raining, wind was blowing, and this game on Sunday could be uh, rain, maybe the snow, uh, and in the 30s. So that could dictate some of the play calling, but this is going to be two great quarterbacks that might be the new Manning and Brady. Yep, could be. What's the game plan against Stephon Diggs, playing as well as any wide receiver in football? And the Chiefs have defended him, Trent, as well as anybody in the NFL. Last year as a Viking, you got Viking fans that live in Des Moines. He had one catch for four yards against the Chiefs. Now, that was when he was kind of grousing and didn't like Cousins so much and all that <laughs> stuff. But this year, four catches, 46 yards. You've got to switch things up on him. Uh, he's very much like Tyree Kale. He's got that short area quickness, and yet he can blow by you. Uh, those two are very similar. You've got to change it up. You've got to reroute him some, but you can't just reroute him all day. Then he gets comfortable. You've got to put him in a discomfort area, uh, and then you've got to bother the quarterback enough. Uh, that's I know that sounds, you know, wow, that's really scientific, but there is some science in that. But you've got to change it up. You've got to throw in bishops and rooks and, pawns and all day long because if he gets comfortable he will roast you uh leslie fraser's defense is playing at a very high level right now we saw what yep. they did to baltimore and that uh pointed attack and and then um you know just your thoughts on leslie fraser i love him as a coach mm-hmm. uh, started with coach reed he was downstairs in the basement of the vet with rat do <laughs> and uh, cats and all that stuff working down there with brad childress and sean mcdermott and Anyway, these two teams have a lot of ties. All right, Leslie Frazier's good. Now, here's the thing that they do, Ken, that's an excellent question. Because if you overlay the offenses of these two teams and you look at the numbers, wow, you can almost copy and paste Buffalo and Kansas City. So many similarities, including quarterbacks who can go off the schedule and make plays that will just kill you defensively, and you have the right play call. Defensively, however, these two teams are similar too. They're not necessarily going to be valedictorian of the class, 
but they're going to win games because they have defenses capable of mitigating or slowing down these high-powered offenses, just slowing them down enough, enough, that you're not getting totally boat raced. And then, two, they can get the devastating takeaway. Guys, Baltimore had that game where they wanted it. Jim Hart or John Harbaugh took the win in the fourth quarter. The win was dictating everything in that game like an Iowa State game. They take the win in the fourth quarter and think they're there. They're getting ready to either kick a short field goal and try to punch it into the win or score to make it 10-10. to 10. What happens? A 101-yard pick six by Taron Johnson totally changed that game. That's what Buffalo has done. Four non-offensive touchdowns this year. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, four non-offensive touchdowns. The Chiefs have come up with the key stops when they've needed him. It's a big reason they've won these close games. That's why they won Super Bowl 54. And they can get the devastating break-your-back takeaway. Both of these teams do the same thing defensively, and in a way it complements their offenses, but now they're facing an offense like their own team. So it's a fascinating setup. Uh, one, one minute on this, then we're going to talk to Papa John's, because I've got a, a Papa John's story from a listener that wanted me to pass it on to you, and I will. <laughs> um, so, so, Mitch, you, you've called a lot of games. Where, where does Chad Henney rank in that play that he – the third down play in particular? Yeah. I think he's in category all by himself. Mm. Like bullpen, it's just Mariano Rivera has got arm trouble. He's got he can't close it. It's Game Seven of the World Series, and who Henny's coming in? He's never <laughs> even been in a World Series before, and he strikes out the side. That's what we've got here. This is the thing of lore, right? Uh, it's just another part of reality television. That what is the NFL? It's up there. It's up there, but it also tells you just how incredibly prepared that Chad Henny and Andy Reid is. He prepares this team at levels uh, that are next-level levels that almost no other coach prepares a team like Andy Reid does. Uh, I had a Vikings fan call me during a break and ask me to pass <laughs> along to you that uh, he enjoys you coming on our show so much that he ordered the stuffed crust pizza last week, and he said it was absolutely delicious. Asked me to say it, tell you, so I did. Tell us more about our friends at Papa John's. I think that's probably the new Skull pizza they've got, or at yeah. least they will now. Uh, so Skull, 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 my brother. Uh, we won't see you for a while unless it's in the Super Bowl. Because last year they took over a stadium and all that skull chance, but and I got relation all over the city. So I, I'm, I'm kind of a closet bike fan. Now this 12.99 stuffed pizza. I'm going to tell you guys honestly, it's 12.99 for a one top uh, real mozzarella. It, I, I'm not. It sounds like hyperbole. The best pizza I've ever ever had. I'm going to get some tonight. I, I seriously, I'm going to get it tonight because it is so. Good. I don't know who did the R&D on this, but they hit a home run out of Principal Park for the I-Cubs. It is so good. PapaJohns.com. Uh, you know the Donaldsons are so good at being uh, benevolent for the folks in Iowa, uh, particularly JDRF and, and other leukemia, lymphoma society. But this twelve ninety nine stuff pizza is for real. It is Super Bowl caliber. Indeed it is, and we uh, hope to talk to you a Super Bowl Friday, Mitch Holtis. Thank you for what you do for us. Uh, we'll be Thanks, refreshing the, for the injury news on the QB. Thank you, Mitch. Eminent. Eminent. Gotcha. Take care. Good to talk to you. Mitch Holtis, voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. Thank you to Papa John's. Always good, and uh, yeah, a little of that garlic sauce. Papa John's, they do it right. So now we know what we're doing for uh, the next few minutes. We're refreshing Twitter, because <laughs> Mitch, and, and before he came out, he said, too, keep your eye out. Point spread hasn't moved, Trent. That tells me he's playing. No doubt. I'm with you. Hour two coming up next. Tom Caker leads it off. Dave Sproul and Iowa State as well. 1460, 106.3 FM.